Okay, Mots, we are back. Episode 34 of The Rink Shrinks. We were lucky enough to be joined by Dave McIsaac, who um, was a former captain of the Danbury Trashers. Um, recently, we had um, Untold Crime and Penalties, which was uh, trending on Netflix for the past couple weeks here. And very excited to talk to him. So what do you say, Mots? You ready to roll? Let's go. All right, Mots, we are back. Episode 34, uh, mailbag episode. We had a great guest that joined us, Dave McIsaac, who's a former captain of the Danbury Trashes. So we had uh, some great mailbag questions for him that we're going to talk about. But uh, before we get to that, what, uh, what's what been going on with you? How was the, uh, I know, big tournament weekend here in Massachusetts? I know I was uh, I was in for, for about six games, and I know you guys had a few more than that. So how's everything going? Good. Yeah. Just jump back in with two feet. Uh, my son's U16 team played seven games in four days, which is kind of crazy, but uh, you know, that's the way the, the uh, tournament schedule was set up because they won, they kept winning. And um, you know, it was pretty, pretty good to see because the, the team did a good job at finding and learning along the way, finding ways to win, um, learning a little bit about the team, you know, there's a lot great chemistry, great um, depth up front in the D. There was only 4D for some games, and that's tough to do. Like, you know, as a younger player, you can play multiple games because you're not really taxing your your body as much, and you're not getting the physical play that these kids are playing. But the, I thought the D did a really good job. You know, I'm a little biased too. Of course you are. Yeah, we. Uh, I was in. We had six in in four days as well. Started Friday night, and I actually snuck in a couple Red Sox games too, which was uh, which was fun. We uh, had a couple. It was good to go check out your uh, competition's grass. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they. Uh, it was good. It was fun to get over to Fenway and watch a couple games, and we took the kids over on Labor Day Monday, which was which is cool. It was a long game though. Oh boy. Yeah, I got home and I uh, I paused it, ate dinner. And then went and watched the end of it. That was a disappointing loss. Yeah, disappointing loss. Um, the like, Rays keep coming. They keep so. on coming. They really do. It was a, uh, but it was fun. Always, always good to get over to um, to Fenway and check out a couple of games. Nothing like spending you know twelve fifty around either. I love that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing better. No, no, you can't even smuggle it in anymore. They like pat you down. <laughs> yeah, I can't. They. they no longer can you pass the cops back. Yeah, it's it's those days are gone. Um, but some interesting stuff, you know. Obviously, in the rank, what do you think of the the new rule changes and stuff like that? Especially playing so many games. I know you said you had seven. I think we had uh, six. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, brutal. Like no good. No, I mean for me. I told the kids, you know, like the icing rule, you know, they started trying to get cute and trying to flip it and it doesn't get out of the zone. I'm like, if you have possession in a little time, make it hard. Who cares? We'll rely on our Senate to win the face off and do it again. I mean, yep. this is, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish here, like more skill, more, you know, flips. And I told them, I'm like, that it's a very difficult skill set to, I mean, the NHL guys that do it consistently, it's, it's a very, it's very tough to yeah. consistently be able to flip it under pressure in a high pressure area. So, you know, just make it hard off the glass, make it hard. If it hits their stick and goes out, whatever. But I was like, do not leave it in the zone on, by just flubbing it or making a soft play. Um, 
So just, you know, that was like the one thing, you know, I mean, it, that that's a rule. It, it's like, whatever, you know, like you just deal with that. But then the automatic offsides, no tag up. I mean, there's like a, a foot here, a foot there, and it just really beats up the, the uh, flow of the play. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's an easy call for the refs, but I asked each ref uh, before the game how they felt about it, and they don't like it either. So, really, yeah, I'm. I just feel like it's force, like force feeding a skill set to like backpedal and try to you know maintain possession, which we're trying to do anyway, you know. But you know, at this level, you, you still have to play for results too, you know. So we we definitely have. A balance here where you know they I I want my defenseman to handle the puck and backpedal and have that skill set. But when there's a four checker right on you, there's no way to escape. It's very difficult to not throw it in, you know, right. because we're trying to win a game. You know, it's not it, it it's 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 a it's kind of a fine line right now because they're playing real hockey. Re- results do matter, and you know, for for national uh standings were a national bound team and it just it's just disappointing that I, I I do get like the premise behind it but I, I I just disagree that there should be some type of hybrid of you know like a five foot rule ten foot rule discretion of the ref you know you know it might open a can of worms but there would be some kind of leeway to that tag up rule I had some frustration with it because it was there was you know I think number one, right, if you're a scout and you're in the stands, right, and we're talking about U16, U18, where that stuff, like you said, we're, we're looking for more results as opposed to development of, you know, a young 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old player, right? It's it's kind of two different stages of, ho- of of their hockey and there's potential. There's prep school scouts there. There's college scouts there. And you're that kind of last guy back and let's say your partner's not available and you turn the puck over like that's a negative look against you, right? Mm-hmm. And and you could potentially be punished for it. Whereas, you know, before you know you can at least get the puck in deep and you know, hey, we 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 have some you know breathing room. We can change up and things like that. Um, so that was that 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 definitely frustrated me a bit. And the other thing was the you know the 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 checking rules. I'm not really they're not clear, right? Oh, the the other thing I had too is in that. There was a couple times in the game that, you know, the, the games that I was watching that they the kids did shoot the puck back in the zone because there was pressure and things like that. And the referees took the 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 like an automatic, uh, not an automatic, but they they intentional intentional offsides. They put us now with, instead of a face off in the neutral zone, we have a defensive zone draw. I'm like, this is, you know, I don't want to argue with the refs and I know they're trying to learn the rule as well, but I'm like this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Now we're being punished because of this stupid rule. Yeah. No, that's, uh, again, a discretion of the ref, but if the, the player is really deep in the zone, you know, that, that that's probably like the kind of, um, kind of the cutoff for, you know, let me say below the top of the circle for the ref to kind of call that intentional. But if if he's just outside the blue line and, and under pressure, and it's a, it's a very difficult play, like waiting a pass back to the goalie, right? You know, I mean that's that's the next play, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's that checking stuff from for me. Like I was getting um, you know kind of educated from the ref before the game a little bit. He's he's like, hey, this this is kind of like we're kind of easing into this new rule, and he was talking about having you stick 
below your waist when you hit someone. Yep. You know, like even if if you're leading with your top hand shoulder and your sticks up away from the player, they they would still call it if it's above the waist. Right. And you know, throughout the weekend, you know, the, the game's fast and emotional and um, you know, physical, but a couple of our players finish checks and that's what they're trying to avoid too, you know. After a player passes the puck, he's like off the hook. It's like, you know, they're trying to reinvent some some part of the game or not or just eliminate part of the game that makes a team effective if they can consistently do it. Like as a D man, like you're an offensive defenseman and you get hit multiple times after you pass the puck within reason. It's not like, you know, like a like a two second, one second, you know, like a split second even. Right. But if you're getting finished. You're going to make a hurried play. You're going to turn the puck over. You're going to do something that you wouldn't normally do because you're, you know, under pressure consistently. You're getting hit consistently, and you, it wears on players. And and that effectiveness, I hope, doesn't go away it, with with these rules. Right. Well, the 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 thing that I guess frustrates me, and I was talking to my father about it, is. You know, and, and and he was a guy like obviously coached public high school hockey for, you know, 25 years. And he was like, I always taught my high school players go out, you know, clean, but finish your checks, right? Finish your checks. And that defenseman, like you said, is going to think twice about it every time he looks over his shoulder. I know, you know, you, me, anybody that that played, if there's a guy that that consistently finishes check against you, it like you said, you're making hurried plays. It's just, it's uncomfortable. Like I had a hard enough time getting up the ice in general, never mind after I was getting, you know, and it doesn't have to be ran through the boards, but every time getting, you know, a bump or getting a hit, getting, getting, you know, some type of body contact against, against you, it, it, it takes, you know, the wind out of your sail a bit, which is a, a very skillful trade, especially as a forward. And, you know, even as a defenseman, right. Stepping up on a guy after he releases the puck and, you know, I'm not saying you got to be, old school Scott Stevens, but just stepping up and, and making a play and hitting a guy, I think is, you know, that those days, are done, they're almost done. And it's like, do we, but, but then when they go to high school or they go to juniors or they go to college like this, have those rules changed at all? No. I mean, they're, they're like working it up instead of from down up, they're working, trying to work it up. Right. And yeah, I just, I feel like on a whole, um, the way it's trending is that, you know, I do agree with, you know, trying to protect players and, and the safety of players is very important, but um, the responsibility of the puck area is, is, is less and less and less. Yeah. And I think that's causing more of a vulnerable, dangerous situation than trying to eliminate the contact. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, like cutting to the middle back in the day, like you had to have your head up, or you're gonna get, you know, you know, punished. You know, in certain areas, there was if the certain guy was coming the other way, uh, you know, finishing checks. You know, like after you pass the puck, if you admired a pass, you're like, oh, nice pass, dude, nice, that was good. And then you get cleaned out. That's your fault because you watched your pass. You weren't aware, right? So, I mean, I do get the protection of players, but having that level of responsibility go away, I think opens up the door for more injuries if something does happen. You know, like if someone does finish their check versus allow them to finish within reason, but work keep working at the 
proper techniques instead of trying to eliminate the physicality altogether. Right. And it's, you know, I was, I did some of those coaching modules and things like that over the, you know, the, the past week. And they talk about introducing body contact at the, you know, U12 level and below. Like, I, I you know, I guess my frustration is like, why don't we start this even younger, right? Start it at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old when these kids are young and they're not, you know, and they're Gumby. And they're Gumby. They're not going through puberty. It's not some kid with a, you know, with a mustache and another kid that hasn't even sniffed out. You know, he's he's still years away from puberty, which that's the way that the the body changes, and it's it happens differently for everybody. You know what I mean? So, like, why not when everybody's kind of at that level playing field before kids are hitting their crazy growth spurts and getting bigger and stronger? And there's just such a discrepancy. I think, you know, I would rather just see it at the younger age groups. And I always think back to, you know, our interview with Milan Lucic and he talked about, you know, when you went out on the ice, it's, you know, hey, keep your head up, protect yourself, right? You know, like be safe out there, play safe, make sure you're, you know, you know what's going on. Like those days are, they're they're trying to be removed completely from the game where you, you know, that's a skill is to be able to be, evasive and play with your head up and, and, you know, make plays in traffic areas without getting, you know, absolutely buried. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing that uh, I don't want to see it go, go away because I feel that a good physical play can swing the momentum of a game and, you know, get the, the boys going. And it's just, it's a kind of a um, interesting dynamic to take away. Right. Right. And, and it's a, it's a, you know, a player that might be, you know, off his game a little bit, right. You could, you know, no matter what, not everybody's going to be, you know, the best, the, the best of the best every day, but you could go out and still be effective if you went and played physical and finished your checks and did those little things. Right. Where mm-hmm. nowadays it's like that kid, he doesn't stand a chance. Yeah. That, that was, that is a still, I think a role that, you know, is very valuable. Um, but as this kind of, like I said, trending kind of like the the other way, um, that player may not be as valuable. Right, right. Well, we uh, we did have some um, unfortunate news from the weekend. Um, Jake Tebow, who was a uh, was was playing in a game. He's a, a, a local kid. Um, plays his high school hockey at Milton Academy. He uh, unfortunately was paralyzed from the waist down. So. We want to give a shout out to him and, and his family and wish him well. There's a GoFundMe page that's been set up. Um, you know, I think once again, the hockey communities definitely come together and, and they've, you know, they're pretty close to hitting their goals. But we'll, um, you know, we'll we'll make sure we tweet tweet out that information. And I know there's a lot of pro guys and different people that are that are really, you know, helping them out and trying to trying to do what's best. Very unfortunate. And obviously we're uh, we're praying for him. Yeah, that was the same tournament that uh, that my son Ryan was was in, and um, you know the the news kind of spread very quickly, and just a it's a heavy feeling, you know, as a parent, as a coach, to hear something like that because you don't want to think about it because you know you don't want to play scared if you're a player, but I I definitely it uh, hit me pretty hard um, seeing these guys playing as hard as they are and. And, you know, after hearing how it went went down, that's, you know, just an unfortunate accident. But we wish him the best. Um, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you uh, to stay strong and keep fighting. And just a, another example of how the hockey community has come together. 
And the, uh, you know, I think, I, I think my message too, to, to some of the parents, um, you know, f- turning the page a little bit here is I was talking to the referees before one of the games and, you know, similar to you having those conversations and the referees, you know, down there trying to do a little bit of a side hustle and, and, you know, make a couple bucks on a, on a long weekend and work. And, you know, a kid was telling me he's probably in his mid twenties. Like, yeah, I was getting flipped off the other day leaving the rink like these parents are yelling and screaming they're like breaking up fights in the lobby like these people like you never know life's too short like what do what are we doing here you know what i mean like go down enjoy um your son or or your daughter's games and you know again referees are going to make mistakes i you know we talked about some of our frustrations with them but it's never going to lead to us wanting to fight somebody in the lobby because of it or given the, you know, the double kick stands to them as they get in their car, as they're walking out of the ice. You know what I mean? Like that it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I will say uh, there was a pretty emotional win by my son's team. We had a, a, a defenseman scoring a three on three overtime situation. And his I, you know, his celebration was a little over the top sliding at the uh, opposing team's bench. You know, but you know he's a little much, huh? Little yeah, much. Yep. Yep. a little, a little excitable. Uh, but you know, sixteen years old doesn't score many goals. But the point of the story is, uh, you know, so the, the teams all huddled around their bench, and you know, they they just started saying a few things back and forth. But the the refs handled it great. Um, came and talked to the kid after the game, and said, "You just, you know, we gave you a ten minute misconduct. You won't be suspended." But if you were to do that in high school or college, you're going to be suspended for a couple of games. And I thought the the refs did an unbelievable job at managing that situation, um, you know, and, and kind of understanding that it was, you know, an emotional win and you know maybe a, a overreaction towards, you know, the negative, you know, like going going that way. But um, but you know, again, the refs are they're all human and they they will make mistakes. But with these rule changes and these. Everyone's kind of, you know, kind of finding their way as well. And I'm behind the bench, and I'm just as emotional as the next guy in the players. But you have to have some restraint, and it's it's better to err on the side of not saying anything than than kind of saying what's on your mind at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it should be you going to the rink. It should kind of be a happy place where you're watching your child play and things like that. It shouldn't be, oh, let's go to the rink so I can get in a fight with a, a 21-year-old referee, right? And, and like you said, I think most refs, they, they you know, we defend them a lot on the show. Um, they do a good job. They, you know, they're teachers out there as well as we are coaches, right? If they can kind of ed- educate you on why they called you for a penalty or why they, you know, put the icing or, or the, you know, uh, automatic offside, why they put the face off down in your end. And that kid can learn from his mistakes. I think it's a, you know, it, it's a valuable asset and, and it's something that, that, you know, the best referees do is they go and they kind of talk and they, they, they communicate with each other. And it's not like you ask them a question and they give you a, a, a snarl back, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you, there's different personalities that are in any situation, but the the better and more time you talk to someone, you know, the, the the better answer you'll get. And maybe you'll get a couple breaks. That's it. It's all about the breaks. Um, Mots, I know we had a pretty good email. Do you want to uh, you want to read that one to us? And and before we get into the uh, mailbag stuff with uh, Dave McIsaac from the Trashers. Yeah. So this uh, this is pretty good because it it does apply to uh, the rule changes and kind of. Like a, a different approach, I think it's pretty cool. So, what are your thoughts on pulling 
the goalie on the PP with the USA Hockey no icing the puck rule. You know, on the, uh, when when you're on the PK, I think it's a, a great question. So he goes on. Um, I've been thinking about pulling my goalie to make it a six on four, knowing that most of the players at U14 will try and carry uh, or pass the puck until the red line. Uh, this is in is in hope that my squad with six on uh, on would be able to get back before the red line. I'm sure other teams' coaches will tell them to shoot for the empty net, but we all uh, know unless you practice it, the kids probably won't do it. Plus, the 14s have had this rule change for some time, and it's ingrained in them not to try and ice it, rather carry it and pass it until the red line. I'm sure my parent group would go bananas if the other team scored in the middle of the second with the goalie pulled. It's so an aggressive I, play. I mean, I, I kind of like it, though. I, I kind of like it. I mean, I think I would probably, you know, if I were to get a power play and need a goal, um, you know, I mean, I guess we're seeing it at the NHL level that, you know, teams are pulling their goalie earlier and earlier where before it was kind of always the last minute. Right. So I think it's definitely something to think about, um, you know, as a coach, what, why not? Right. Yeah, and and I, like you said, you might get lucky and they might throw one down and, and, and ice it. But Hey, if you need a goal, as long as it's not like you're working on the six on four, like that mailbag question we had back in the day and, and eight nothing. You're, up, you're up eight, nothing. Right. <laughs> that was, uh, that was absurd. That's yeah, nonsense. But you know what? I'm, or or I'm just, like you're running the score up, even you know you're up by two or something like that. Like I think even then it's kind of nonsense. Like you know work on your five on four. But uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking like even right now as as we're kind of going through this. Like what about you know you get a power play early in the game and mm-hmm. you want to score and you want to try and get the lead. I mean you have plenty of time to play catch up if they happen to you know slide one down the net. I don't know. I, it's something that could. Uh, you know, I'll have to let you know if I try it out. I um, might try it this weekend. I got a, I got a couple games coming up. I, hey, I, I, I like it. I do like it. It's I mean, not- I tell my kids to just get make it hard there, you know, and like fire it down. We'll, we'll definitely take the face off. So they haven't really had the rule too much. So they're not used to just passing it or trying to skate it to the red line. I'm like, just make a hard play. And if it doesn't go for icing, then so be it. But so yeah, they, I mean, they would all be shooting for the net. Oh, every one of them, right? Yeah, one of our guys missed four open nets at the end of the championship game. And I was like, so, so whoever's playing your team, just I mean, I would just plan on just work on the six on four all week because uh, why would you? <laughs> why would you even? Why would you even practice the power play? Just go, just pull the goalie right away with that percentage. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, one more thing about the weekend: we played my brother's team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a couple, a handsome couple, handsome benches. Yeah. So we we had a little uh, side bet, but then, you know, I told the the boys afterwards that um, in pro hockey you put money up on the board. Let's just say you're playing for New Jersey and you come to Boston, so it's your hometown. You have to put some money up on the board, and if the team wins, it goes into a team fund, and you know, for when the the guys are all together, go to dinner or whatever. So. I um I said money up on the board. I mean, I didn't put money up on the board because, you know, who knows what you guys would do with it. But so lunch on me for uh, you know, for for beating uh, you know, my brother and and allowing me to hold my head up high at the, you know, next cookout. So I ended up uh 
buying them all. So lunch. you took the boys to scrub way, just like when you were in the <laughs> NHL. Nice. Yeah. yeah, just the six inch. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The, you weren't you you weren't springing for the lodges. No way. No, but no, uh, and especially in between games too. You're like, guys, we got to stay light. Yeah, stay I don't light. Want, <laughs> I don't want you guys eating too much. We're just, we're gonna just do the six inch subs. Yeah, then we got uh, you know Quigs. Quincy kid being like, ah, oh, surfing turf for the boys. We're gonna <laughs> splash the pot. <laughs> oh, that's unbelievable. Would uh, you? I, I, where'd you go? Owen O'Leary's on Route Nine. There, it's a good, oh. good pub uh, restaurant, and we hit it up a couple times in in between the games because we we're in between ranks, and uh, yeah, it was pretty convenient. So the parents and the kids split up, and you know they got their food and were able to relax afterwards. Did you, did you write it off? Just write it off. Write it off. Just write it off. (laughs) We'd like to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Franklin Street Hockey, for partnering up for our recent giveaway of an official NHL mini hockey passer and goal set. Big thank you to our listeners for entering, and we're excited for our winner, Daniela McRitchie, and her family to have some fun with their new Franklin Street Hockey gear. And this interview was brought to you by Franklin Street Hockey. If it's back to school time, then it's back to hockey time. Visit franklinsports.com for NHL-licensed street hockey sticks, nets, balls, and now brand-new ice hockey gear. Enter the code BLUELINE for 20% off street hockey, mini hockey, and ice hockey gear through the end of 2021. Franklin Sports is the official ball and street hockey partner of the National Hockey League. Visit franklinsports.com and join the fam today. Mots, I didn't tell you that I've been getting some practice in on the pickleball, too, my Franklin pickleball stuff. I got my racket right here. Ben Ben Johns, this guy's number one in the world. I actually watched his match the other night, and uh, he, he won... I think it was the world championships or whatever it was, but it was, uh, I'm, I'm officially a pickleball player. I, uh, I brought the kids out the other day. Um, and Joanna, Joanna and I have played a couple times. And also, um, I got Bunzo in the mix, Brennan Byrne. We, uh, we had a good match up at president's the other day. Uh, it was Saturday morning. We played for about an hour and, uh, a couple good, couple good sets. It was, you know, he took the first one, but then I won the next two. So it was, it was a lot of fun playing. How did you match go with Joanna? I beat her. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I did you I, a lefty, righty? What would you do? Yeah, I went. I started out right, righty, and then uh, I'm like, I'll try to work on my left here a little bit. My halfway through the second game, though, I was down five nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm still trying to figure out the rules and stuff. I'm googling things, but then I uh, I switch back over to my right hand and and. One eleven five. Oh, wow. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't take the L. Yeah, and well, she you- told me. She said she wants to learn. And you know, there was a couple balls that were like you know pretty close to the line. She's like, no, I want to get better. And you know, don't don't bend the rules for me type of thing. So I I like that competitiveness. Uh, hats off to Joanna for you know playing it straight. And you know, it doesn't get old though. You can't really let your foot off the gas pedal. You know. No. You, 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 you uh winning championships whether it's against your wife and pickleball or. You know, where, where wherever, whatever it takes. Yeah, exactly. A win's so, a win hey, for me these days. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, and I can't wait to uh, to have maybe a, a mixed doubles, Courtney and I. 
Oh yeah, you guys. You know, I'm all over. I think uh, she sent you you guys a couple pitches of me with the pickleball live action shot. So we'll have to get them out there and tag uh, Franklin and them. So good stuff. All right. Well, I think um, you know we 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 had some great questions um, that came in through the the mailbag. We were you know lucky to be joined by Dave McIsaac, who um, you know was a former captain of the Danbury Trashes. We all. Um, you know, most of us in the hockey world, I think that was, you know, was a, a, a trending show on Netflix, you know, one of the top in the in the United States that I saw. Uh, untold Crime and Penalties. It was the Danbury Trashers um, story. And uh, we were lucky to be joined by Dave. So we uh, I think it's time we turn it over to him for, uh, you know, the finishing touches on the mailbag. We are pleased to be joined by Dave McIsaac, the pride of Arlington, newly named head coach of the Danbury Hat Tricks, played for the Danbury Trashers in the 04-05 season and the 05-06 season, the um, owner of over 700 pro games. We were teammates back in 2001-02 season in Hartford, and our parents are both from God's country up in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Welcome to the show, Dave McIsaac. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Dave was super excited. Obviously, um, you know, a lot's went on with with Dan Barry and uh, everything, you know, with the the recent release of the documentary. uh, That was a great watch on Netflix, uh, Untold Crime and Penalties with the Dan Barry Trashes. So you're our first Trasher guest and uh, and also our first main black bear. I think we've had Mott's. Yeah, first main black bear. And I will tell you uh, that I went to a lot of BU games. And Dave McIsaac was the only person, any player that I've ever seen bury Mike Greer in in college. And Grazy was a guest of the show, and I don't think we brought that up, but I, I'll bring it up because you you gave him the lowered the boom on him in the neutral zone. Yeah, there. I remember that hit. That was <laughs> <laughs> it. Probably still hurts. Two big boys. That, that was that was an impressive hit. I'll have to bring it up to him. Uh, Mike and I coach a, a square team together, so we'll uh, we'll we'll have to. Oh, okay. I'll yeah, see if sure. he remembers it as well as you do. For sure. Uh-huh. Timmy Lovell doesn't he coach all the teams down there? Does he have all the teams? Uh, he's got a lot of them, that's for sure. But we're we're uh, part of another program that the Boston Junior Terriers, and he has the runs a great program with the Boston uh, Advantage and a couple others. So. But yeah, another main guy. That's right. That's right. I, I, bef- before we get into the trash stuff, I guess I do have to bring up um, the first year where you were at Maine. You were, you know, fortunate enough to play with Paul Correa, Jim Montgomery, and those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there, you know, in 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 your mind, has there ever been a better college hockey player than Paul Correa that year? No. Yeah, he was. He's did amazing things. I always tell stories. My favorite story is I think I led the country that year in points by a defenseman. But what I would do is I would set up behind my own net with the puck. And he would come and pick up the pocket and go. <laughs> yeah, not a second assist. All second assist. <laughs> hey, oh, that's amazing. Hey, no, they don't no have pictures. cow. Yeah, yeah. No pictures. Yeah. That, oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I remember watching some of those games. He was just an electric player, like playing at a, a completely different level than everyone else. That's funny. And another guy on that team we I was talking to last night was um, Garth Snow. And. I know we're going to get into the Danbury stuff, but I was trying to get Snowy to play on the Danbury team that year. <laughs> Snowy and um, uh, Weinrich, both of them. Oh, no, that's unbelievable, yeah. They, they were so, close. They were close. 
I saw Snowy at the rink uh, over the weekend, and uh, he's still uh, still Snowy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just g- giving, uh, he's like, "Mots, what's up, dude?" Like he just like just the GM for you know 15 <laughs> years, but hasn't changed a. Uh, yeah, like sure. He's he's got the best no show job there is still today. I know, right? Right. I mean that. Uh, but yeah. So you know, obviously, Dave. Thanks. You know, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And, you know, we're excited to talk. A lot of our, um, you know, we got a, we we put it out there that we we're going to be inter- interviewing a former captain. So a lot of our uh, fans and have been uh, sending in questions on social media and things like that. So I guess we'll give them a rip. You want to uh, start us off, Mots? Yeah, sure. So um, they want to know: Did you get any uh, free trash pickup? Um, I don't know if we. I think he dealt mostly with the commercial side of the stuff, not the residential side. But um, like I said earlier, I, I was out. I was working for the trash company. I was in sales and collections, and he used to. Jimmy used to brag that uh, when this would be, you know people around his office that I was his collector. Like I fought on the ice and then I collected off the ice so it made it look like I was it was uh I don't know, I was breaking people's legs or something, you know. It didn't work like that. Oh that's great. Oh that's awesome. Yeah, so that would have been a nice little park though, get free trash pickup. You know, right, yeah. now how often did they uh we we work and you know obviously we know that the you know United League the salaries weren't that high but you you know, how did you balance the the actual showing up to work and and practicing and playing and all that? Well, obviously, hockey was the priority there, so I I didn't have to work at all if I didn't want to. I still got paid for it, but um, <laughs> I tried to go in after practices and stuff uh, at least three or four days a week and do my rounds. Yeah, do the old show your face, shake some hands, kiss some yeah, babies. That's it. <laughs> Break a couple legs if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. What was uh, what was it like? You know, obviously the story, and and you know, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen it at this point. But you know, obviously, um, you know, James Galante bought the team for his 17 year old son AJ, who you know he named the GM. What was it like playing for you know a 17 year old at the time? You'd been pro for you know probably close to 10 years. Like, what was that dynamic like? Yeah, it was different. I mean, it was him and his father. They were both sort of together in the whole thing. So um, it was, yeah, it was, it was just like the the story said, right? So the story was all true, except um, I think they combined. They didn't combine the both. They combined both years into one sort of, and um, like in the story, Mike Rupp and uh, Roman Nadur didn't play with the. Uh, the Omacholi brothers, because it was the second year, right? So made it look right. like they did, but they never did. Right, right. I loved the uh, the part of it where um, the guys were going into you know negotiate the contract, and they're sitting in. He brings them into the trash company. They're like, "Where, where are we going right now?" It was, that, yeah. that was hilarious. It was it was funny too because Jimmy didn't have a computer or anything. So when the feds came and raided the whole place, they couldn't take any computers from him because they didn't have one. He had it was all up in his head, right? So. Wow, that's wow. crazy. Yeah. What was the? Uh, how did the Galantes go about acquiring you, and and what were the you know key selling selling points in the negotiations? I know you said you were you know kind of at the end of your career, right? Yeah, well, I, I re, re, rebooted. It was a lockout year, so it was hard to get a contract anywhere. So I said, I'm just going to retire, 
and I started working for the Flyers at uh, one of their their rinks, and um, and then I played a couple games in Trenton for a weekend. They paid me nothing, and uh, then this guy called me and wants to pay me a thousand dollars a game. So I went up there and played home games for about I think I played about ten games, and got suspended for the rest of the season by then. <laughs> and, uh, and I what, was, what was the story there? Yeah. No, we had a line brawl, and I think like the the commissioner was just had it out for everybody that he brought in for just games like that. That um, he was just going to suspend everyone, and he did. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, as far as um, how well the team run, was run, now you played a bunch. You, you're under a lot of coaches, managers, management. How well was this team run? Well, I think the first year was sort of a learning curve and like they brought in all these guys like myself and Frank the Animal and guys that would just play home games and weekends and it was wasn't really a team, right? It was sort of just a bunch of thrown together. And I think they learned from that and the second year was they didn't have that anymore. It was just uh, our team for the whole year and it was a lot better. Compared to the, you know, the East Coast League or, or, you know, which I know you spent a little bit of time in where you, you know, you're lucky enough where you get tape or gum and things like that. Were they, were they, you know, pretty, pretty good well, about taking care of the guys? It was the buses we had, like catered meals and the apartments were first class. And, and it was, it was like you said, uh, Michael Wacholi got 10,000 cash after a game for, to go out with the boys. And we had, I think we had a bar tab for, two weeks at this one bar we went to it's crazy <laughs> oh, oh that's awesome that, that, yeah that's talk talk about money on the board you know yeah right. when, when the owner's dropping 10 g's on on the boys to go out and have a time that's pretty good yeah that's awesome what so, about yeah. the uh the you know obviously there was a a, a serious home ice advantage and i know you said even at the beginning you just played home games but what was it like you know i guess that second year kind of going on the road um, it, like the same first class again, the whole way we had a, a, that bus was unbelievable. And then the playoffs came and we just flew to everywhere, which is unheard of in the minor leagues like that. Right. You don't fly anywhere. But, oh, yeah. um, yeah, it was first, first class all the way. And then the, the, you know, was it a difference in crowds and things like that? Obviously your place was, was constantly seemed like it was rocking. Uh, when you went to some of these other bonds, were they pretty dead and quiet, or was did did you guys kind of travel well? Yeah, no. Uh, well, some of our fans went on the road with us, but no, yes, it, yeah. It depends where you went. So there's some good good rinks and some bad ones. I think Detroit had a team. Chelios actually played that that first year, and um, they had a team in the league, Motor City or something, and they didn't get any fans at all. But um, some of the teams had good fans. Just depended. Yeah, my brother played in, on that team. Uh, it was uh, the Colonial League back in the day. Okay. Uh, and uh, he went number 30 and was the fan favorite because he was like a middleweight punching bag, you know? Nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, who, number one, who, who is number 30? What are you, a backup goalie? <laughs> but he, he, he got the fan favorite, um, you know, so – that that uh, something that, to be said for that. Yeah. The, the, so, like to Max' point, though, they got no fans, so I can just give it to him. Be like, yeah, the, the three fans voted for you. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents did a trip out there, and they 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 stuffed the ballot box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh, oh, that's so funny. 
So it, as far as uh, the trainer there, can you can you give us a story about the trainer, like one of the craziest things you've seen him do? He was just nuts. By the, t- the second year, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't the trainer anymore. He just hung up in the box with Jimmy. He was just uh, there. He got suspended or whatever. And uh, yeah, he's nuts. He owns a cigar shop now in uh, in New York. And we called him last night. Some of my friends were over last night, and we called him, and he's he gets on the phone with the cigar again. You know, puffing his cigar. It's funny. <laughs> so yeah, he, he went from I, a trainer think- to an executive. <laughs> yeah, sort of, sort of. He just sort of hung around. I think he got paid just to hang around. The uh, the the videos of him coaching the youth was probably probably something that <laughs> we discourage <laughs> on the show quite a bit, like slashing kids, checking kids. I don't I don't think I don't think he would survive in this in this game nowadays. No, yeah, you're not allowed to do anything no more. The yeah. parents might have ran him out of the rink. Safe sport would be calling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Uh, oh, that's great! So, uh, did, ahead, did the FBI uh, ever interview um, you know the, the lawyers about uh, sa- or salary, cash payments, etc.? And uh, was anyone worried about getting in trouble with the feds when the ownership was raided? I don't. Th- I don't think they didn't interview me, but um, they screwed me because I had a two-year contract, so they owed me another year on the whole the job part of it and the hockey part of it. But um, so they didn't interview me. Maybe that's why. But I know some people did get um, in trouble. Um, you know, I think he coaches down there. Todd Sterling was a coach the first year. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think he – I don't know if he went to jail or something, but he he um, he got in trouble for it for sure. Yeah, that's too bad. I know that some people were uh, were, were caught up in it and, you know, it was unfortunate and, and things like that. That's for sure. But what was the uh, – I got another one here. What was the craziest night that you can remember on the ice during your time there? Oh, <laughs> um, a good, a good, good story. So after I got suspended the the first year, um, I was there was probably ten more games in the season, and the playoffs started. Jimmy brought me and this other guy from Boston, Chad Wagner. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Um, I don't know the name, Mots. Do you? No, no. He was just a tough guy in the minor leagues for years. Anyways, we both got suspended. He had us come into the rink and sit behind the visiting bench for the for the game he paid us <laughs> to just come sit behind the bench for the game uh, <laughs> we were just we we're just game facing everyone when they came off the ice yeah yeah we were in our suits just staring at the players and they didn't know what to do it's funny <laughs> oh there's that home ice advantage we talked about that's for sure yeah uh-huh. I'd like to talk to you about Cross Country Mortgage. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, having a quick chat with our friend Chris Devin and see if it makes sense for you. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on that monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Like I told you about my deck that I got going, we actually were able to sit out there and have a cold one and, and soak in the scenery. Um, check him out at chrisdevin.com and he and the team at cross country can let you know if they can save you some money. Cross country mortgage, LLC, NMLS number 47305. And a, a good segue, you know, with the mortgages, you need a mortgage when you're buying a house, when you're buying a house, Lee and Heffernan group with compass real estate, Jameson and John, you know, they're both hockey guys. They're both golfers. They're great guys. And what we said before you know, they're trusted. They're trusted guys that 
you know, if you want to, you know, want to poke around the market, I reach out to, uh, to, to Lee and Heffernan group at Compass Real Estate. You know, they, uh, they have some other guys on the team, uh, Ryan Ahern and Austin Malley, uh, who have been great additions. So they have a nice team in place. Um, you get an incredible service with their personal touch partnered with the fastest growing tech company in, uh, in tech and real estate. So great guys. Make sure you uh, definitely check them out at Lee and Heffernan group.com and on Instagram at Lee and Heffernan group. So obviously those guys are great guys, hockey guys, golf guys, and uh, they do a great job. So yeah, if you're interested in buying a home before you refinance it, right. Talk to yeah. those guys. Yeah, no, good, great guys, and they'll, they'll point you in the right direction, get you uh, all set up on the with the real estate anywhere, so sure in particular. Were there any un, unadvertised bonus structure for certain actions on the ice? Well, I mean, you had got enough bonus structure as it was, right? So I don't think we asked for anything extra. Yeah. Think, um, well, you look at the PIMS across the, the board on that team, and I think the – I mean, the second year there, you – you put up good numbers, right? You're like plus 41, but you yeah. know, I think it was like 55 games, 130 minutes. That's, that's like still playing and being effective, like with, you know, both, with, yeah. Both. yeah. And then yeah, you, the second year was more structured. It wasn't just to go out and kill everybody every night. It was kill everybody, but play hockey too. Right. And, and to that point, like you've always had a good plus or minus. So what, what do you think? I mean, did you just pride yourself on defense first and just and playing the game uh, to your strengths? Because your you plus minus across the board for your career was was always very good. I picked partners like you. I think you were my partner in Hartford. So I, <laughs> well, I was the toughest guy on the ice when I was out there with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I don't know. Plus, minus, I was. Uh, I guess I played the. I don't think it, it's a. It's a stat that, unless you're really plus or really minus, but um, I've always had a good plus minus for some reason. I always so, had a bad one. That was always a problem with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> always. I was, I was on the opposite end. So if you play yeah. on good teams, you're going to be plus, right? If you don't, then you're not. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love the guys that say it just comes out in the wash when they steal a, pul- a plus from you. I'm like, no, it never comes out in the wash. <laughs> yeah, never, never for the minus guys, that's for sure. Right. Uh, the housing down there, I mean, I, I I remember the East Coast League. You know, my first year in Phoenix, it was you know we were kind of like downtown. It wasn't very very good. Um, my second year, we I was in Augusta and Phoenix. We had decent places in, in, in those different spots. But, you know, was there any, like, I mean, the housing that they showed on the TV, it looked like a, a gated yeah, community. It, was, it, looked, it wasn't looked, all like that. It was just normal apartments around town. It was, we had a nice place. I lived with, I had a roommate that my, my year. We had a three-bedroom place in the town next door. It was a nice place, but it was, uh, my roommate was Donnie Grover. I think you're friends with Donnie. Yeah, Donnie and I, we we played uh, youth hockey all the way growing up together, and then played in uh, in high school together as well. And then he he was at Northeastern when I was at UNH, so we were good friends for a long time. So I was like his sugar. He was a rookie that year, and so he didn't get the big bonuses like anyone else, right? So he was only making his normal money. So I paid all the bills in the apartment, and I took him out to dinner every night. I was, I was a sugar daddy. <laughs> Typical Rockland kid, Donnie Grover. He was looking for the handouts for sure, Macho. Yeah. <laughs> Rock Vegas. 
Uh, Donnie's a good dude. So, yeah, uh, as far as the, you know, some of the other questions that we have here coming in, uh, how was it playing with the great one's brother, Brent? I, I, by the time I got there, I got there ha- probably halfway through the first year, and he was already done. I think he hurt himself and was out of the – so I, I think I met him, but he didn't play any games when I was there. He saw the nonsense going on. He's like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Just, I thought that was a pretty uh, ingenious move by the, the – get a Gretzky to sign, yeah, first guys right. to sign. You know, like, you know get him sure. rolling, you know, get a little buzz. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was classic. What about this, uh, the section 102 there? They seemed like they, they were in an absolute whack pack, that's for sure. But were there any, uh, any good chirps or anything you remember from them? Yeah. I mean, they, uh, like, they always have good sections in, in most teams you play, you know, play for. But these guys, they were, they were brutal. It's, um, some of the stuff that came out of their mouths where you, you couldn't bring any kids near them for sure. Right. <laughs> Crazy. And that, that commissioner seemed like he warmed to the, the whole process, you know, they did a pretty good job at kind of showing how he was absolutely against everything that they stood for, but they really did a good job at kind of cultivating a, a great home ice advantage. And, and like you said, they got their, their kind of ducks in a row and, and the, the, uh, the team did a great, you know, great job on the ice and by the end the 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 commissioner was like yeah you know it's just one of those things that one section 102 will always live in that live in his heart you know yeah for sure um i think jimmy did a lot of good not only for the hockey team in the city he did a lot of good for the city as as a whole like he built hospital wings and he built football stadiums and and uh it's a shame that the feds wanted to get him so bad do you still keep in touch with those guys at all? Or, or? Yeah, I talk to Jimmy all the time. I see him uh, now. I'm going up there and working again, so I'm, I'm going to see him a lot. I'm hoping I can get him involved again. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be, uh, like you said, great for the community. Like He's such a popular person in the community and did did well by a lot of people. So that, that might then be we nice could get Mots to come up for a couple of games. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i don't i don't know about this new hit but you know we can we can test it out and yeah you know we can throw a little sauce on the pp negotiate first pp or yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great um was uh the next one uh another local guy who unfortunately uh passed away was was jerry hickey was there any good memories of him i remember him uh being a complete not in a you know fight uh, a a pretty tough guy that liked to throw his hands out there yeah i played a couple games with him and um the only story i remember with him there was a country bar across the street from the rink and there was a mechanical bull and he he got up and rode the bull one night that was a funny story about him (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jerry, rest in peace. But he he was a nut. I mean, I, yeah. I, he he dummied a couple people in uh, Dougie Nolan's president President's Cup pickup tourney, you know, just because it was uh it was you know it was one of those right right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you were playing uh, in it or not, but he, he was just looking to anyone who would want to drop the mittens. So <laughs> Dan Barry was a good fit for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
There wasn't you know, many guys too that that you know. I'm sure a lot of those that tournament that Mots is talking about. There's not a lot of you know guys played professionally and things like that, and probably didn't. There wasn't any game notes to check and and see that the kid probably had you know 200 fights already in his career <laughs> on the ice before. Guys like oh, I grew up in you know the South Shore. I think I'm a pretty tough guy, and then you run into a guy like that on the ice must have been a, a serious problem for him. Right. Yeah, we got a, a question here. Do you know if uh, AJ still keeps in touch with The Rock? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, like that wasn't just them. Like I remember his daughter's sixteenth. Uh, I went to his daughter's sixteenth sweet sixteen birthday, and I think like they had I don't know who it was Beyonce or someone singing there. It was just what a you know what a spectacle of some, some events there. Sounds like a birthday party in the Motto household. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but petting zoo. Actually, we, <laughs> but, but back in the day, my daughter loved Scooby Doo, so we had a, a Scooby Doo come. Um, nice, nice. Yeah, and she was just pumped. Was Do like, you think she the Scooby Doo was as much as Beyonce was for the day? Yeah, I, you know, relative, I would say. Did it come with Shaggy? Did Shaggy come on? Shaggy. <laughs> He, no, couldn't have, he couldn't afford Shaggy. <laughs> no, no, no Shaggy. He didn't have that side gig collecting collecting money down in uh, for for the, for the Galantes. Yeah, but the other thing is, like looking back, I'm like, I don't know, like no Corey check on this kid. He's just coming around like some younger kids, just just as, dressed up as in a Scooby costume. <laughs> so he could have been some some creep. <laughs> oh that's awesome i liked uh you know with 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 aj too he's you know he's down there and obviously young kid he's dressed he's he, he had like the jean shorts down all the way to his his touching his socks basically yeah. uh was there anybody else that was as bad of a dresser as him <laughs> no he uh yeah he was he took the cake i think he uh he had his um he had a Cadillac uh, Escalade with the big tires on it, and the oh rim, yeah, you know, and I could have guessed that one. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> the twenty-something inch rims or whatever they are. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Yeah, he seemed like a passionate kid, though. You know, like as far as he was figuring it out on the fly, and mm-hmm. you know, m- making that little um, pump-up video, and and you know, that just seems like he, you know. Kind of got found his his rhythm as as it went along, uh, even though he was young, you know. So you know, loved hockey, played it, got hurt a bit, whatever. You know, if if no one has seen the the, the show, I don't mean to ruin it, but at the end, you know, he started really finding his kind of niche, and you know, did guys respond to him? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, well, money talks, right? So if you have that kind of money thrown around, then uh, you're gonna respond for sure. Yeah, that's that's funny because. Uh, when you first look at it, you're like, look at this punk, you know, kind of, you know, you, you talking about. He's like, a soft spoken guy too. He looks like a punk, but um, I mean, he dresses that way and stuff, but if he's, a, you know, he's a down to earth guy, he's got that big boxing thing going on now. Yeah. I think one of his fighters is fighting in that Tyson Fury undercard. Oh, really? It's, it's, he's got some good stuff going on. Are they still down, you know, kind of in that Danbury area? Yeah. He's at uh, his boxing gym's right in Danbury, right near oh, the wow. rink. Yeah. Are you uh, are you looking to him for any pointers on on you know bringing in players and things like that? Now that you're going to be a head coach, I, uh, I asked him if that the, his heavyweight guy's name is Fly Mike, <laughs> and uh, I asked him if he could skate. So we'll see. 
<laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now talk to us about the um, and and so what league is that um, that you're going to be coaching next year? The it's the federal federal hockey league. Okay, it's, so uh, like a single A hockey. And how many uh, how many teams are in that league? Uh, seven, only seven. At Elmira just folded. There was eight. Actually, two teams just folded. So there was nine, and now there's seven because of COVID and all kinds yeah. of other crazy stuff. And what's, and the tra- what's the travel like in, in, in that league? Uh, Port Huron is the furthest west we go, and then south we go to Columbus, Georgia, and South Carolina. Oh, not like too that. bad. Yeah. yeah. And now when's training camp and when's the season start? Uh, we have a free agent camp. This is, yeah, we, I should put this on your show. We have a free agent camp the 21st to 23rd of October in Danbury. And then uh, the regular training camp starts the 23rd. So if anybody uh, from Boston area or any of your listeners want to give pro hockey a shot, come out to the free agent camp and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's, it's a way for these kids to keep playing and, and things like that. Uh, you know, one of the things that we're seeing now too is the age of these kids. Obviously, you know, I'm sure when you were at Maine, um, you know, guys were 18, 19 years old coming as freshmen, but now you have guys that are graduating at, you know, 24, 25, 26, and, and you know, they want to keep playing. So are you seeing that with, with the ages of these guys? They're pretty old. Yeah, this is my first so I'm sort of still learning. I was um I was one on one of the Flyers rinks for the last six years and uh so I'm just getting back into coaching. I coached for five years, but this is my first year back, so I'm still learning the ins and outs of this league and the and the ins and outs of the players and the caliber and all that stuff. So we'll see. So again that that free agent camp was October twenty first through the twenty third? Yes, yep. All right, and then camp starts the twenty third. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dave, you know, I think um, we got some really good questions. I think this is a great kind of, you know, behind the scenes uh, stuff with the, with the trashers and, you know, we wish you the best of luck with the Danbury hat tricks. And like Mott said, October 21st to 23rd for any potential free agents, get down there and, and give pro hockey a try. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. All right, Mac. Thanks a lot, pal. All right. Take care. All right, Mott, I want to talk to you about Skitscott. Skitscott is the new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature-rich audio and video editor allows its users to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, layered audio, and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Skitscott is also a secured social media platform that respects the privacy of its users. Skitscott does not share, trade, or sell the personal information of its users. This app is made in the USA. You can even showcase that new Franklin swag you're using on your Skitscott videos, right? Yeah, skiddy it up, pop on some Franklin gear, and get her done. Yeah, or your new, you know, TSR wheels you might buy up at the, you know, now that it's hockey season, or your new swag that you got with your new team, right? Throw it up there on Skiddy. Skiddy it up. TSR Hockey, New England's premier hockey store, is proud to partner with the Range Ranks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season. Visit www.tsrhockey.com. 
I actually talked to those guys today and we got a new announcement. There's going to be some rink shrink swag going into all the TSRs. They got multiple locations at different rinks and uh, there's going to be a nice little rink shrinks uh, swag alert in, uh, in all those little pro shops that they got going. So it'll be awesome. You'll be able to buy that stuff right there. There's t-shirts, hats, different things like that. We're going to put some different stuff out there so that, you know, grandma and grandpa with their, you know, hundred dollar bills in their pockets can uh, spend it on some rink shrink swag. Love it. Some good gear. There's some nice hats, some nice uh, toques. If you want to call them a toque or winter hat, it's up to you. And some long sleeves, some hoodies. Uh, check it out. Quarter zips. What is it? All right. We want to thank Dave for uh, joining us for those Q&As. Got some great insight into um, the Danbury trashes. And Mots, I, I think we got a couple voicemails. What do you think about uh, hearing some questions from the fans? Yeah, let's tee it up. Hey, boys. Nate Collins from up in Maine. Uh, question I have regards to men's league and the refing of men's league. And so we are in our playoff summer season right now, our we're just getting done. And the last couple games, we have had some refs that, that two refs, same refs, that have just been horrible. And the way I look at it is men's league hockey is, you know, we're all grown men. We've all played very different backgrounds of hockey, and we all pay to play in this league. And when we're in the playoffs, you shouldn't be making calls that are like, you know, rubbing somebody out on the boards a little bit or a little contact in front of the net. They're making calls and penalties, calling penalties for these stupid little plays. And the the play of the game actually wasn't bad. It was actually really good games, but they're just making these horrible calls. So needless to say, I get a couple calls made on me that are not good, and I start having a conversation with the ref and saying, listen, dude, we're – Saying the same thing. We're, we're men here. We want to play hockey. Just let us play. He throws me out of the game for talking back to him. And then he goes and he pushes another player on our bench, telling him to shut up. You know, and I, I lose my mind. I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. I go and I talk to the league owner about it. And he's like, well, I didn't see it. I didn't know what was going on down there. You know, so my question is, what's your thoughts on refs during men's league making, you know, every little call and not letting the game be played the way it's been being played. Yeah, we're not supposed to hit. Yeah, we're not, you know, it's no contact. But grown men being able to at least, you know, be somewhat physical, I think, is part of hockey. So sorry to drag it on there, boys, but uh, appreciate the show. It's love listening to it. Uh, thanks a lot. What do you think, Mots? I, I mean, I, I agree. Um you know, is with grown men playing to play, and you know it could be a ten ten at night. The, the ref doesn't really need to insert himself on on most um, levels of men's league. You know, it usually sorts itself out. I mean, if it's just a, a hatchet fest out there, then you have to rein it in. But I just think that you know, playing. You know, I've played in the men's leagues that you know you you start ramping it up a little bit. Guys start getting a little, you know, a little more chippy, I would say, or, you know, more physical. And the new rules don't apply to men's league, you know. So, like, all the the players that I played with, you know, they played in the old rules. So, like, once the stick goes parallel, it's not a penalty, you know. So, they're they're giving you the old water ski, you know, 
the friction tape. Yeah, friction tape. You know, so I, I just think it's just a different animal for a ref. Like if he's trying to ref like a, a regular game right now, uh, it's just it, it shouldn't be that way because, you know, that's just not how everyone played, you know, the game growing up. Yeah, it's playoff men's league hockey. Let the guys go out and have f- some fun. I think, you know, tempers are going to flare a little bit. Like the the guys are fired up. They want to win. They're paying their whatever it is, 300, 400, 500 bucks to play in the league all summer long. They're showing the commitment. Stay out of the way. Let the let let the guys play. Yeah, I mean, anything you know egregious, then you call it. You know, sometimes it's you know like waving icing. Let's keep the play moving. You know, right? You know, so, so, some teams take it a little bit more serious. Want it, you know, called tighter. But on the, there, there should be a balance of you know understanding where you know you, you let most of everything go. You know, if it's a trip change of possession, you know, stuff like that, that matters, you know, like that's just, that's hockey, but you know, this ticky tacky calling things in the playoffs, especially when guys do care, I I don't agree with. Yeah. And I think the, at the end of the day, um, it comes back to those referees kind of being communicators, right? You said to them, you talked to them before the games this weekend, things like that. I know I did as well. Like if they let you know up front, like, Hey, we're going to, it's a playoff game. We're going to call it tight. Every little bump along the boards, everything like, all right, now you're basically both teams have been put on notice. I don't know if there's captains. I'm sure there probably is, but they, they have their, you know, they, but communicate, let them know. And then they can kind of relay the message to the rest of the team. But if they just start, you know, outrageously calling every little bump along the boards and things like that, then it's nonsense. Let them play. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, our uh, our caller is the maniac, you know, from Maine. <laughs> so, so he just yeah, he definitely know. got fired up. He definitely yeah, he got his, fired up. But he that's definitely fine. had a flannel on going to the game, <laughs> yeah. middle of the summer. Love it. Love the voicemail. Keep them coming. Appreciate uh, you tuning in. I think we got one more. Hey guys, calling from Connecticut. Love the show. Uh, maybe something a little more pro that you guys know a lot about. Can you explain to us some of those terms you use? like uh, Black Ace, Taxi Squad, some of those other ones. Mott, saw your son playing at the Chatter a couple weeks ago, looked awesome, scored some goals, and uh really sad note to see that Jimmy Hayes passed away today. It actually kind of chokes me up a little. I love the Hayes brothers. Anyhow, our best to their family, and uh thanks for a great show. Did he run before he called us? <laughs> Getting a little workout in on the Peloton. Yeah, maybe he did. I like it. I, I appreciate the call, though. Yeah, that was, that was a really good call. Good, good questions, Mots. I think, I mean, you were you you had a heck of a lot longer career than me, so why don't you take that one? So the uh, the black ace is a term for a player that you, it's more in the playoffs. You get called up to be a reserve player, but you – usually get bag skated. So that might be another term that needs to be, it's like a, a bag skate is uh, a term when the pucks stay in the bag and you just skate. So you're just getting bag skated. Um, and so they're trying to keep you in shape just in case there's a couple injuries and you could go into the lineup. It doesn't usually happen. Usually black cases aren't, you know, part of the team. When I was a black ace in, in New Jersey, the year before I played, we weren't even around allowed anywhere near the rank. 
uh, while, while the the real plays were, were at the rink. So it was <laughs> it was you know like you it felt like a second class citizen almost. But at the end of it, um, you know it's a it's kind of a not a rite of passage, but it, it's just part of the process of kind of working your way up. And um, when, when I talk about being a mid season black guy, ace, my last year playing, I was a seventh defenseman, but I never played. So it was just going to, I got bagged and played three on three with uh, Scott Gomez and uh, a guy, John Madden, who I played with in New Jersey, Brian Scrudlin. So we had some pretty competitive games, but uh, you know, so mid season black ace was, was kind of like a, just a kind of a funny term to say that I wasn't playing much. The uh, you didn't mind those NHL checks still coming though. No, I just kept my mouth shut. Don't don't. <laughs> they didn't even know I was there. Yeah, they don't even know you're there. Funny Black A story too. So my senior at 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 UNH, I played, went to Lowell, and one of the games we played against Wilkesbury, and they called and basically said like, "Do you want to come down and be a Black Ace for the the playoffs?" So I went. You know, I'm more or less like with no expectations of playing, and then. Pittsburgh didn't make the playoffs, so like Witt got sent down, Noah Welch got sent down, uh, Chris Kelleher was 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 down there, like bunch of Boston guys. It was it was like a great crew, but I didn't have a car or anything. Like Witt and I were just in the hotel, and Mark Andre Fleury got sent down, and he said to me, uh, he would like he he actually wasn't really playing that much. I think he might have played a game, and then. Um, the other goalie, I can't think of his name, you know, was was playing the bug one, but he's like, will you come and shoot on me before the games? And I'm like, I'm sorry, before practices and just kind of get eps, extra reps. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I'll do anything. You know what I mean? The number one overall pick, you know what I mean? I'm like, but I don't have a car. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll come pick you up. No problem at the hotel. So I pick him up and he, I ask him, uh, he's got like a, you know, an AJ Galante type escalator, <laughs> right? Like, um, big escalated with the big rims and everything. And I'm just like making small talk with him. Here he is, you know, he's probably 18, 19 years old with more money in his bank account than I'll ever have. Um, especially me just coming out of school. So I'm like, Oh, is this your only car and this and that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, actually, I just bought a, uh, a new Porsche for my, you know, my mother or my girlfriend, whatever, whatever it was. I'm like, Oh, nice. So you got an escalator and a, and a, and a Porsche. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to, make the decision. Do I get the, the Gucci seats or the, you know, the regular seats? And you know, what, what do you think I should do? And I'm looking at him like, dude, I go, I don't even have enough money in my pocket to buy a sub after practice. I go, never mind, <laughs> never mind like Gucci seats and Escalades and, and, and Porsches and things like that. I'm like, dude, you're going to play in the NHL for 25 years. Probably. I'm like, go buy whatever you want. And he's like, looking at me like, okay, I think we're at the rink now. Like, see you later. He's like, get me out of the, get this kid out of my car. You know what I mean? So did you do your job and warm them up, warm them up properly? Yeah, no, I was I was like a, a bullpen pitcher. You know what I mean? I just whatever. Hey, I'll throw muffins right into your glove and make yeah. you feel good about yourself. No problem. Yeah. What was the other part of his question? Uh, God, black uh, ace and then uh, taxi squads. Very oh, taxi similar. Squad, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very uh, similar to the black ace, but they put a term on it. Um, you know, this year because of the COVID. So they traveled with the team, but they right. were um, not playing. Right, kinda like a reserve reserve group, and and we really appreciate you um, kind of mentioning Jimmy Hayes and and their, uh, his family. You know, as as uh, you know, everyone has has heard and known. He's a unbelievable person, and um, we appreciate you um, keeping him in your prayers. 
Yeah, no, good stuff. Obviously, love getting that voicemail filled up. I love the um, the calls and and you know, hey, Maine and Connecticut. I like to 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 see you know people calling from different states and things like that. It's great stuff. But uh, once again, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, big shout out to Dave McIsaac for giving us some behind the scenes stuff. And uh, what do you say, Dave? Cue the rink shrink shuffle. Oh,